Howdy, hey folks, welcome back to Are Your Parents Proud of You? I'm your host, Matt Schufreiter. Today, I speak with Cal Walker. Cal is a playwright and director I met during our time at Columbia College Chicago. And we're gonna get right into it with, we talk about playwrights, writing, theater, Cal's love of it, um, and just being creative in general. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with Cal Walker. Hi, Cal. How are you? Hi. Thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. So I know that we did meet at, in college, and it's funny, whenever I have people on, like whether it's students or adjunct or faculty, anyone from, from college. People you know, we who both, encountered at school. Yeah, people who encounter at school. Sure. Um, but I, especially like an art school or maybe just anywhere you go to learn something, sometimes I think is a degree really worth it? Or like, why do we need a degree so much sometimes? You know, especially depending on the field, you know, we both sure. work, we both work in the art, you know, I don't, we don't need a degree to prove that we can act or we can write plays, you know, I, I don't know. What do you think? I really, I really enjoyed college. I actually did. Um, for, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this because he hasn't done school yet he's like 22 23 he's a brilliant writer brilliant actor you know is like doing the thing but uh he I was telling him about sort of what I was able to do which I think I think it just it just gets you out of it it expands your worldview in ways you can't possibly anticipate or you can't possibly you know gain in uh without without serious effort I think my understanding of what the work could be and what theater could look like and kind of what else is out there. I don't think I would have um, thought to get into writing had I not um, had certain opportunities at, at Columbia. Um, I think it expands you, it, it, it expands your sort of palette and your, and your, and your worldview in, in ways that I think can only be helpful because even if you don't like it, you learn what you don't like and why you don't like it. What did you start when you went, when you started college, what was your primary major? I was a comedy major. Really? Yeah, I was. I was. I was a comedy major. I, in high school, I was like, I was a musical theater kid, but I was like the funny one. And so I was like, okay, so I'll learn to be like, I, I think I, I was misled by the comedy writing and performance. And then once I started taking the actual comedy classes, I didn't, I don't think I had the same sensibilities, the same interests, the same sort of um, goals that my classmates did. Um, there was, you know, uh, <laughs> I was criticized for my sketches not being dark enough. <laughs> uh, when I took the the sort of intro sketch writing classes it was it was I, I will say the sketch writing classes were a great way to like learn basic plot structure of like you know at a certain this is when you have to lay out the problem field this is where you have to have the conclusion um you know this is how you sort of set up a story this sort of basic um uh plot points uh, and how to do that in in five pages like that is a skill um sort of pacing and structure and that sort of thing um and comedic comedic theory is is rather fascinating um but yeah i i i liked writing but i didn't like that 
you could only develop characters five pages. Shh. That's what I get for living. You know, with the blurry background, it really just looked like you're just talking to spirits and ghosts. Great. This is actually, <laughs> I think, the first, this is the first apartment I've lived in that is not haunted. Oh, really? Yeah. Our last apartment was haunted. My first apartment in Uptown was absolutely haunted. Mm -hmm. But by a benevolent ghost. Right. I've never had, like, angry ghosts. Just, like, just, like, little fucking troublemakers. But this is the first apartment we've, I've lived in in Chicago that is not haunted. Are you disappointed by that or are you, are no, you just okay? I don't it, it really neither neither way, neither nor. Happy to not have random fucking noises and doors opening uh, uh randomly and that sort of thing. That's a good Charlie that's a fair point. By themselves, that sort of thing. It's just, you know, it's like, okay, we weren't we weren't being haunted, but mm -hmm. the apartment was haunted. Like there was a ghost. Mm -hmm. You're making fun of me. I am not making fun of it. Okay. Um, what the <laughs> hell was I talking about? Right. So comedy studies, I think, was valuable for me as far as writing. But I wanted to, you know, I think my struggle was I wanted to live with the characters for longer than five pages. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be able to be serious. And I, I was not, I know that I was not unique. I knew a couple of other comedy students that switched over to either acting or to playwriting or, or whatever because they wanted to be able to have sort of to use both masks mm -hmm. right um so and it was interesting it's interesting you know you talk about finding your people which is such an overplayed cliche that just makes me roll my eyes now but uh you know figuring out what rooms you want to be in that's that's what i think art school really really does it's like okay but what is it like to work with dancers what is it like to work with you know comedy writers as opposed to playwrights i love working with playwrights comedy writers are sort of a hit or miss or or at least at least you know it it, it really depends on the on on stylistically right because i find that you know the people that want to be on snl or the people that want to work for second city i just i'm just not on that same i just don't have that same same rhythm i'm not uh not as fast i don't think mm -hmm. are you someone who can write for pages on end I'm not sure what you mean by that. Like, can you, you know, you talk about the five pages format, but are you someone when you have an idea, you'd like to add it on and make it grow, make it grow, something like that? I don't have, I mean, I think my stamina varies day to day, <laughs> but I mean, the things that I write tend to be at least, at least 20 pages, ideally. Mm -hmm. I'd how... like to be able to spend time with, with my people. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I've in, I interview playwrights or even, you know, I was, I've been in the room with playwrights when doing their work. How hard can it be for you to listen to your own work? Well, I think it really, it really depends on the project and it really depends on where the project is at. Yeah. Uh, if it's, and, and I, I also think that it, it's, it's a headspace too. My, my first thing out of college was stage managing for a play, a play festival with nothing without a company, which are wonderful people great humans but i really saw the gamut of all of the different kind of writers that exist there were writers that were there every rehearsal every tech every show and there were writers that i never saw and then gave me a thank you note at the end and so i i sort of looked at that not quite identifying as a writer or being able not not quite 
I mean, I think, I, no, I was writing when I was, when I was, yeah, because I was writing in school. Uh, but I, I, I didn't really, I didn't feel confident in myself enough to submit to things. And then I, you know, was in this, was working on this festival and I was like, oh, I could totally do this. Yeah. Why aren't I doing this? And so the, the next year I applied to that festival and, and that was the first time I got my work staged. So nothing without a company has been very good to me. We're talking about, uh, we're currently in talks with uh, staging. We're doing a developmental reading of that thing in the bathroom, which is uh, a play I got published last June uh, in a lit mag, which, so that was really exciting to be able to be like, okay, like, and now I get to go back and now that the, you know, now that we're not quite post pandemic, but attempting to do live theater again, like I would love to work with the people that have like been consistently good to be like, that's really incredible. But anyway, so I, I sort of saw the gamut of the different sort of writers. And I think for me, it's important to set limits to how much I'm in the room. <laughs> Cause I know you worked on uh, I know this actually that you personally, I know for a fact, you personally have had trouble with playwrights being in the room too often. Uh, uh, me personally correct okay correct correct um yeah um but I think it's hard I think it's I you know I'm sympathetic to those sort of writers because it's your baby and it's so personal and you 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 want to just you want it to just forever live in your um in your in your in your brain as this perfect thing but I I think that's when you have to at some point you have to release it and allow it to become something else if if you don't want other people to influence your work that is why you should you should be writing novels write novels mm -hmm. or be a you know a screenwriter or director person that like is very controlling but i theater is a collaborative art form and you have to let actors kind of take the wheel and interpret right so if i and so I, if if I was to be in the, so if there would be a play written by you, it's going to be produced and on stage. Uh, how much would you be involved? In my, in my mind, and just to oh, go I back. I said a limit. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like, would it just be read through table work? You're done and you're not coming back till the opening. Um, More or less. I think, oh, for this next one, I'll probably, you know, cause I've, I've heard it out loud, but it's been a while since I've heard it out loud and it got a staged, like sort of a, you know, a sort of a staged reading with a BYOT, bring your own theater company. And, and that was useful, but I think I want to, you know, like there's like one character that I want to tweak. So I'll probably, you know, focus on that particular character, like maybe be there for, I allow myself two to three rehearsals. <laughs> uh, not necessarily table work because I think I think once you start analyzing my work I'm like I can't uh-uh like mm. that that I think that would just the idea of that makes me a little neurotic actually <laughs> yeah well I don't know because I don't I don't write my, my writing is very uh relatively naturalistic like it's it's what it says on the tin <laughs> right and then you have like someone else coming with their own thoughts and it's like so, well that's not from a text yeah. so if, if someone were to do text analysis on it i don't think i should be present for that mm -hmm. uh unless they have specific questions or unless they're like no i really want you to weigh in on this you know but uh yeah when i when i get when stuff gets staged i'm there for you know one to two rehearsals and i show up on opening and i am 
Uh, I try to be as supportive as I can, as supportive as I can. And I take lots of notes and I share none of them. Um, because usually it's just a way for me to quietly go, ah! <laughs> uh, without, without making, um, a scene. <laughs> um, but ultimately it's, you know, it's, I think it's, I think it's very easy to get self-conscious when someone gives you sort of a fun or, a, uh, not even a mirror, but when someone effectively draws a portrait of your play and gives it back to you, you're like, well, that's not what it looks like. No, it isn't, but that's okay. That's, that's, that's why it's a collaborative process. Right. If you wanted, if you wanted only what was on the page and only what your version of this play could be, that's why you write, write a novel. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Or go, or go into film because that amount right. of control. And, and I don't think that amount of control is, is useful for, for anybody else in the room either, mm -hmm. you know, cause really you, and when I when I say that the really just the the broad range of every kind of playwright, you know, there are really there are playwrights that are like that are that the playwrights that lean in to the fact that you know the play is going to become something else in the room are the most fun to work with mm -hmm. from a director's perspective, from an actor's perspective. It's just easier when the playwright is like doesn't doesn't have that tight grip on the the play but i think you have to get there i think i think it takes a little bit for you to sort of come to that place where you're uh comfortable letting it go and i think that was just my what my experience with having a playwright in the room when it felt like having two directors and i respect the playwright and i want to do justice by their work but I also want to figure out my own character and figure out where this is going on my own terms without, you know. Shady, shady, shady. What? What is, is that? Shade? It's no. It's just. It's just funny because I know we're talking about the same process, and it's. Well, well, yeah. Well, that'll be our own personal time. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there, darling. Um, yeah, I, but yeah, absolutely. No, I think, but you know what it is? I think uh, I'm a big proponent of separating your art from yourself. Mm -hmm. Just because they like the play doesn't mean they like me. Just because they don't like the play doesn't mean they don't like me. But I think it's really, you know, art is inherently personal. Pers uh, personal art is inherently um, selfish. I think a lot of people uh, discount that, like, there is a tiny piece of you in, or there should be some of you, there should be some personal attachment to your work because that's what makes it good. That's what makes you care about it. That's what makes you, you know, uh, uh, try as hard as you do. Uh, uh, but, but, but after a certain point, you have to say, okay, this is no longer, a, this is not a part of me. This is just something I made. I agree. And, and I think it takes a minute to get there. And, and there are some plays that I have that like, aren't quite there yet. And there are some plays, you know, that thing in the bathroom, it, you know, I'm pretty, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable just like releasing it. Cause it's like, it's a personal, it's personal to me, but it's not it's been worked on enough and I've looked at it enough and picked at it enough and, and, and gotten it read and edited it and whatever and that it's just, it's no longer. Yeah. I I'm, I'm letting it become whatever it becomes, but it, but I was, I didn't always feel that way. Yeah. That's and, there time. Places, and there are certain places that I don't, it, yeah, it just takes a while for you to get there. And, and if it's, especially if it's a deeply, deeply personal piece, it's really hard not to take uh, uh, feedback personally. Like that is, that is a skill. 
Yeah. And they don't, they don't teach you that shit. They don't teach you how to receive and how to have a relationship with criticism. Um, no, because you, because we've been taking criticism or taking anything, any compliments since we were, since we were young anyway, we're, but whatever, it's not regarding our projects or not. No, I could take it. I can get a compliment from I did good in, on a test when I was five or, yeah. or six, but well, I can't. Thing, the value we place on our work and connecting that to the value we place on ourselves. I, I think the relationship the relationships you create with criticism, like that is a separate skill set. Yeah. I've taken, I've taken a lot of writing classes, a lot of different places and you just, that it, it's something you learn without being taught, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You just kind of figure it out that Chris, yeah. that criticism has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it, and that's, that's the healthiest way to go about it. It's like, okay, this is how it's received. Mm -hmm. and be very sort of passive all right what were you like as a child before high school oh i was i was obnoxious yeah i was obnoxious yeah i was um i was really i was i got in trouble in school for talking a lot that's what i got in trouble in school for and i was like you know the obnoxious theater kid even mm -hmm. like in in junior high what made you want to do theater the attention, the validation. It's so funny. I think I have a very different relationship to performing than I did. I was talking with my therapist about this uh, some time ago, actually, was that I, as a kid, I felt, I felt, uh, you know, like I was different and loud and weird and, you know, sort of, sort of doofy. And I, uh, and and theater was the was the was performing specifically was where I could have that validated where I was not uh, punished for being loud punished for being ridiculous where I was praised for it and so I think I chased that validation chased that sense of belonging that sense of that that sense of like unblemished acceptance for a very long time before I realized that that was never. Um, gonna that was never going to be a realistic goal and so now the reasons I perform are very different from the reasons I performed when I was in middle school high school yeah so it was a sense of belonging and sort of validation and 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 um yeah filling filling my uh insecurities with uh uh, uh other people's approval I was how did your parents feel about you wanting to do theater as a career I think that my parents, and this is still true, that they understand it as much as they're going to, which yeah. is okay. Um, my mom is an artist. Uh, she's a graphic designer. And, you know, I think, I think uh, the fact that she was a creative and that she's always been a creative and she encouraged that was, is not something I take for granted uh, because I think she knew she understood the very real thing of like being generative. The need to be gener generative was just like kind of baked in me. I always wanted to make stuff. I will, you know, and it's just sort of like inherent. It's, it's not something I do. It's who I am. And that's, I, I still feel this is, this is, this is a present tense thing, but I think it's, it's been true uh, for a very long time for most of my life that, you know, I just, I have always had to create and, 
and 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 have some kind of generative output and, and make things and even when I you know even when theater shut down I was still like okay well let's let me write let me think about uh different avenues for myself and you know I'm I'm very artsy and craftsy so I still you know I still have I do I like to do shit with my hands while I play Dungeons and Dragons um mm -hmm. I'm looking at my craft projects on the couch at the moment uh just stupid shit not stupid shit but like nothing that serves it nothing that serves an actual active purpose just just shit that's fun to but you're being creative you're you're into something yeah i i have always been a creative i have always been um an artist like mm -hmm. just as a state of being uh 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 so i think i was talking with i was i was talking about this with my girlfriend this morning uh as i was as i was you know thinking about being on this podcast of like you know are my are my parents proud of me and probably like they've said so Ooh, uh but i think i don't think my parents they've said this to me that they didn't realize how much i loved really loved theater until they went to go see theater with me and watched me like respond to it in real time um i saw a production of men of la mantra which today is 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 one of my favorite musicals of all time. It's very dear to me. Uh, but I saw it and I just remember uh, just just holding on dear life to my mother's hand. I was fourteen, and I think that's when it hit my mother that this is something I just I needed to do with myself. Um, and you know, I think I think, and I'm, and I'm very thankful that they were always very you know supportive when I wanted to take a you know every workshop every theater camp every everything that was that was within uh reason i was i was i was at you know any if i wanted to go out if i wanted to audition for something in the next town over you know my mom would drive you know so i i, I think they've always been sort of it's always been support with the caveat that this is something i take seriously mm -hmm. And it is, you know, it's, it's what right. I, it's what I, I, I feel, uh, divinely called to do it. Do you remember when they first saw a certain project that you were most proud of and they, did that also hit them? Like, oh, not only do they like watching or seeing live theater, you know but they so funny? all. My mom, my mom confessed to me, like when the last, within the last couple of years, she does not like, uh. She doesn't like uh, uh, plays. Mm. She doesn't like plays. She likes musicals. She doesn't. So like is my mom. That is my mom too. And she waited until I was halfway through college to confess this to me. So it was one of those things where she would, like, she went. She saw my senior year play and she was like, "I don't like plays." And I was like, "Mother!" <laughs> I was so yeah. Um, I'll be honest, you know, like whether or not my parents like the work I do is really not, um, it's not something I worry about or think about. Right. <laughs> as long as you're, as long as you're happy with it. I mean, I who cares? Thing is like, for, it's, <clears throat> as long as I can tell them that I'm, as long as that I'm, as long as I can tell them that I am, uh, becoming successful, that there is, 
that there are rewards for my efforts. That's really, I think, the the, the thing I can. When I when I did my solo show in the winter on opening night, I, and I told my parents not to come to it because when I was writing the Anxiety Variety Show, I just sort of needed. And this is another thing too. I you know. After a certain point with writing, especially with writing, especially you have to be okay with the fact that your parents might not like it. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of shows that I've written that I actually don't think I ever want my folks to see. There are a couple of shows that might be, you know, that, that, that they might like. I don't know. But my mother doesn't like plays. Right. And that's what I write. So why would I, you know? Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, my dad's a little bit more... Uh, you know, open to that sort of thing. We went to, he, he's, he's seen Shakespeare with me. He and I went to go see uh, Dear Evan Hansen when it was in DC, when it, before it went to Broadway. Uh, 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 I like ugly cried when it, before it went to Broadway, which is so funny now. Cause I'm like, this is a problematic piece of theater, but it was mm -hmm. one of those things. It was one of those things I was like 19 or 20 and it just like really, and I was on the tail end of being suicidal. So it was just, very it was one of those pieces that struck me right at the right time right but if i saw it now i don't think i would feel the same way mm -hmm. um you see those you see those certain shows shows and you're you, the certain like, shows. Shows. Certain shows. uh so i was like ugly crying and my dad looked at me and was like oh th this kid really loves this because i was like ugly like wailing in the front row <laughs> <laughs> it was, it I was would, yikes i would look at my resume i would like i was submitting some for some stuff last week and i was reading back at some of the shows and i remember my parents god love them i love them to death and they will come see the weirdest the darkest shows i will do <clears throat> and i would remember them say, saying saying mm, they, they like they said that was really good when after they saw the show but a year later they would say mm, I, I didn't like that as much and i i, I don't <clears throat> I think it's it's different when you're a kid because you yeah. want you want your you want your mom and dad to be proud of you now it's less important that they like what I do uh but my but on opening night of my solo show my mom sent me a text saying like I'm just so proud of you and um I think it's incredible that you that you were able to do this and this other thing it was very sweet and it was very like it was very grounding to be like oh yeah <laughs> Which is, you know, it's the Anxiety Variety Show. Part of the reason why I wrote it is that I felt like I was underdiagnosed very early on. I didn't get diagnosed with anxiety properly until I was 22. Yeah, and, and as, a, as a person. So me being, my parents being, I, I don't think about how my parents received my work. Mm -hmm. uh, because, I mean, but, but also they don't, really go out of their way to see stuff because they live in Virginia. Oh well that makes sense. So it's it's a harder it's a harder schlep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want before before we go into our game, I do want to ask when you see current theater or current not even theater, let's just say current and anything related media. to the arts. Any media, sure. Um what what do you think? What do you wish you can add more to it? Or what do you wish what do you see 
your writing or where any of your projects going? What do you want to add to it? Um, I'm not sure I understand the question. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, you, you know, what do you want? Where do you see your writing going from here? What do you want to, you know, you, you, you've written all, you've written comedy, you know, a lot of dark comedy. Mm -hmm. um, but is there something you want to write more of? Certain theme, certain subject? I think if I wanted to write, I, there's a couple of things I've got going on, but I think I, I'm the most interested in sort of pushing, uh, pushing the, the sort of range of characters that I, I, I am able to bring forward. I think, I think probably my next thing that I'm, that, that's going to feel like a real challenge is going to be like an ensemble piece. Uh, I think a lot of my work, you know, a lot of my work because I'm a queer person is about queer. It has queer people in it, but it's not necessarily about being queer. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think, and, 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 and similarly, you know, my work is inherently Jewish because I'm Jewish, but I haven't written anything about being Jewish. And I think I, I'm curious to sort of be more explicit with the representation of the identities that I represent. Nice. We do have some time. We are going to play a game called Time for Two. Two minutes on the clock. Two minutes of random icebreaker questions. There is no right. There is no wrong. I am just here to see what your opinion is. All right? Okay. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Tom Hanks, funny guy. I like him. Favorite president? None. What is in your fridge right now? Um, leftovers. Karaoke song of choice. Um, uh, Mercy by Duffy or um, uh, I Feel the Earth Move by Carol King. What part of the human face is your favorite? Nose. Fruits or veggies? Fruits. Typical bedtime? Uh, 2 a.m. <laughs> the best part of waking up is? Going back to bed. Typical wake up time? Um, 11. <laughs> if not this, what other occupation? Um, uh, um, uh, rep reptile expert. Is a DJ just someone who's good at iTunes? No. Uh, do you put ketchup on your hot dogs? No. Brendan or Brandon? What? Fork, spoon, or knife? Uh, spork. AC or DC? DC. Favorite beetle? Ringo. Is there an eye in the sky? No. Favorite West Wing character? Um, Lily Tomlin. <laughs> uh, Wait, we no, all no, 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 I changed that. CJ, CJ, CJ. She's the best. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, do we all live in a yellow submarine? What? Who is the greatest game show host of all time? Um, Mayim Bialik. What is your name? What is your quest? What is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? I don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather live in a zoo or an amusement park for life? Zoo. What movie would be greatly improved if it was made into a musical? Um, Clue. Who is the greatest game show host of all time? Didn't you already ask me that? No. You already asked me that. The greatest game show host of all time? You literally Who's the second? I said, I said Megan Bialik. <laughs>
Oh, shit, you did. Who's the second greatest game show host of all time? Second greatest. Um, uh, Brooklyn Heights on Canada's Drag Race. Thanks. Cal Walker, before we go, my last question to you is, are your parents proud of you? Probably. I would agree. It's anybody's, I would agree. Game. It's anybody's game. I have, uh, I have, uh, my mother is a very judgmental Jewish lady, so. Nice. Well, Cal, thank you so much for coming on. I had a great time listening and, and a chance to chat with you. Yeah, I didn't, I, uh, I didn't, I learned I have much more to say than I realized. My thanks to Cal Walker for coming on the show. Folks, like I said before, we are on every podcast platform. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google us at Are Your Parents Proud of You. Email us, parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. You think I forgot it, but don't worry. I have a script right here. See, that's a script. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Next week, I speak with actor Rose Leesner. It's going to be a good one. I'll see you then, folks. Bye.